0: at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. Hey Amen. This is a great church. This is the 110th year that Park Lawn has been in existence in the greater Milwaukee area. Back in 1909, when Cyrus Fockler left the Azusa Street Revival, the Pentecostal Revival in uh, Los Angeles, California, and came to this area and started Tent Crusades, only God knew that we would be here today and that we'd be celebrating his presence. We'd, we'd still be walking in that light, life, and love. And although I'm not the founding pastor of this church, Lady Judy and I have been here since 1992. She came here in the uh, in the mid-80s as a teenager. Her mother came here with six girls. All of them were Fine, but I got the finest one, I'm telling you. Uh, She and I met when I was 19, she was 18. We dated for seven years. I came back here to her home church in 92 as a youth pastor, became the senior pastor in 93. Uh, Is there anybody who was here uh, when Park Lawn was on 35th and Congress, just just north of Capitol? Wave your hand. I see a few hands. The Browns were here. I see some other hands. It's kind of dark. Yeah, I see a hand back there. Sister Minnie was there. I see some other hands. Um, you all then probably remember the uh, the youth annex. There was a, a separate building where the youth met on uh, 42nd and Hope. Um, and then the church moved here in this location in 1983. I told a story this past Wednesday that after Park Lawn moved to this location, uh, there was a, a district council meeting that was held here. It uh, didn't look like this at the time. We've made some renovations, but it was a, a wonderful accomplishment for the churches in our, in our Assembly of God district with the state of Wisconsin. And so the meeting was held here, and um, that's where the pastors from all over the state come together for elections and revival and services and, and meetings. And uh, Pastor Culver, at the time, was a great pioneer, a man with a, a tremendous love and a heart for people. He started bus ministry, and many of the first black families who came to Park Lawn, their children started coming first through the bus outreach. But there were some uh, some white rural pastors who didn't have that same heart, and didn't, and they had fear, and they may have had stereotypes or had prejudice. And Pastor Culver got a call from one uh, white rural pastor, and And the pastor said, uh, Ray, I'm concerned about bringing my wife, uh, you know, uh, to the council meeting. I want to know, is it going to be safe at your church? And Pastor Culver said, yeah, it's going to be safe. I bring my wife to church every Sunday. (laughs) Uh, And so he just really demonstrated that heart of love. And uh, he married Lady Judy and I on this platform in 1985. You know, we dated for six years, and then she finally asked me to marry her, and And uh, I said, you know what, you waited long enough, let's go ahead. And I got the mic, and it's my story, and I'm sticking to it. When you get the mic, you can tell your side of the story. Uh, And in the 27 years, we started the uh, Anointed Word radio broadcast. Um, We were on WMCS, WMVP, Joy 1340, WNOV, WGOB. Uh, there are people who still think that we're on the radio. When I meet them in the community, they're like, I heard you on the radio. I know you. And I don't have the heart to tell them that it's been five years that we haven't been on the radio. But that shows you the power of the word of God. And when it goes forth, it gets planted in the hearts of people. In those early years, we started the Kingdom Kids uh, Care Center, which uh, later became Park Lawn Christian Leadership Academy. And for 18 years, we enrolled, uh, and educated uh, children, and ministered to families until we closed the school in 2013. Uh, the renovation that occurred 10 years ago—if you came in through door two or through door one—that previously was a parking lot. But 10 years ago, we had a, a capital campaign called "Fulfilling the Dream," and uh, that dream has been fulfilled. We built. Uh, our new addition with the bookstore. We built a cafe, music and fine arts wing, uh, the children's church with a slide from the first floor down to the basement, and, uh, and also our office wing up on the second level. Uh, and that's, come on, can we give God praise for all, already what He's done? Amen. And we could not have done it without MVPs. We could not have done any of that without MVPs. Amen. The past is good. The past is good. But I want you to know this, that the most important era in the history of the church is not the past, it's the next one. It's the next one. It's good to to remember the past, it's good to celebrate the past, but the most important time in the history of a church is the next one. And so we have to do things uh, to put ourselves in position now so that the next 110 years will be even greater than the previous 110 years. Um, When I came here in 92 as the youth pastor, and some of you were here, you remember that this church almost died between 92 and 93 because the church went through a split. And there are many of us who are here that still carry church hurt because have we've gone through trauma within the church a church split is much like a divorce I use this term and say the divorce is the death of a marriage and when a church splits it's almost like the church is dying it has a heart attack it's it's it splits and, and back in 93, the former pastor of this church left, and uh, it was a, a very, very hurried uh, departure. Uh, there was an execution and a plan, and another church was started about 14 blocks from here, just over a mile away. And uh, the church went from about 900 in Sunday morning attendance down to about 300. And it was at that time that uh, Lady Judy and I were asking God, Lord, why did you send us into this mess? We were doing fine at Northside Church of God as a volunteer youth minister, and working at Quad Graphics and uh, co-hosting and producing Black Nouveau. And the Lord reminded me, and he said, I brought you here for such a time as this. I sent you early. I sent you ahead like Esther. But churches die for a number of reasons. There are many churches that their doors are still open, but they're really dead. And this is how you know. Nobody's gotten saved in that church in years. Nobody's gotten baptized. Other churches die because there's no longevity or consistency in leadership. In other words, the demon board, I mean the deacon board, they um, hire and fire pastors every six months. There's no longevity, there's no consistency of leadership, there's no opportunity for vision and relationship, ministry to be expanded. Another reason churches die is they're not willing to change. We want the color of the carpet to stay the the way it was. My daddy bought that carpet back in 1948. We have fights over hymns or over video screens. But the church is a living organism. It's a body. It's not a building. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. Amen? Amen. And... Long after the MVPs have gone home and the, and have taken off their jackets or put their keys in security or parked the last car, whatever it is, this church is still running. It's ne- it never stops because the church is not a building, it's a body. The church never stops. And Jesus said, the gates of hell won't even be able to stop my church. Upon this rock, I'll build it. But the biggest reason that churches die, and the reason this church almost died in 93, is after that leadership rift and the split is because there was no leadership plan in place for a smooth transition for a continued succession for the continued success of Park Lawn. succession is not about the person it's about the organization it's about this continued success what are we going to do now so that this organization will continue to fulfill its mission and vision and so there always has to be a baton that is positioned to be passed so that the next runner can take it. No individual, no CEO, no person, no pastor, no uh, principal, whatever organization you represent, nobody is scheduled to run the entire race by themselves and win, anyhow, and be a success. And keep your family intact while you're running. If there is no runner to receive the baton, the whole team is disqualified. If the baton is not passed, and if it's not passed in the exchange zone, the team is disqualified. If the baton is dropped in the exchange zone, there's a disqualification. You can drop the baton while you're running and believe me, I dropped the baton a whole lot of times in the last 27 years. Without being disqualified, you just pick it back up and get back in the race. And by that I mean I've made thousands of decisions. Most of them have been right, but a few of them have been wrong. What you do, you just dust yourself off, pick the baton back up and start running again. So the key is to pass the baton in the exchange zone and hopefully do it while you're ahead in the race. Amen. God has a great dream for this church. He has a great dream for this community. Um, we, de- we declare 2019 as a year of community. We are dreaming God's dream for the greater Milwaukee community, for the Sherman Park neighborhood, for 53216 and 53206, or whatever zip code you live in. We have a dream. God has a dream for you. Jeremiah 29 11, God says, I got dreams for you. I've got thoughts to bless you. And he, he challenges us in verse 8 of G- Jeremiah 29. He says, pray for the peace of the city that you're in. Because if the city prospers, you too will prosper. And so that's why we declare 2019 as a year of community. And later this year, Uh, we will be uh, doing some teaching on the art of neighboring. In fact, um, in two weeks, we'll start that in Aspire, teaching you the art of neighboring because Jesus says the great commission that we go into all the world is one part of the task of the church. The other one is the great commandment, and that's to love God and to love your neighbor. Most of us ain't doing that well, so we're not really fulfilling the great commission. And so we're going to be teaching that, but we're also going to be demonstrating it. One of the organizations that I lead, uh, the National Black Fellowship of the Assemblies of God, we are launching and have already put in motion of identifying uh, some of the worst communities in America for blacks to live. The initiative is called Reach 25. We are targeting the 25 most under-resourced, highest in crime, uh, where there are education gaps and disparities uh, cities, including Milwaukee is one of those cities. Hartford, Connecticut is another one. Fresno, California is another one. New Orleans, Louisiana is another one. East St. Louis, Illinois. Cities like that that we're going into for transformation. And so I want you to begin to dream with us for yourself, but dream for this church and dream for this community. And throughout this year, we're going to be praying about that. God has a great future for this church. He has a great He has a great future in mind for you. Amen? And I thank God that he's given us the grace uh, to provide leadership for this church for the last 27 years. If you have been blessed by the leadership, not just by me, but we've had a number of pastors, a number of elders, a number of leaders over the last 27 years, can you just give God praise for what he's done thus far? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We have a tremendous team of, uh, of elders who uh, come alongside of me and help with spiritual oversight and governance of the church. And earlier this year, uh, collectively, we have, we have approved a succession policy. A succession policy is a plan by which a church has a biblical way of making the baton pass when the time comes for one leader to say, hey, you've run a good race, you're tired, come on over to the side, you get a, get a break, we got something else for you to do, it's time to pass the baton to somebody else. You, you, it's better to have a baton in your hand rather than have a spear, like Saul did and tried to kill David, just pass the baton, I'd rather have a baton than a spear, and so, a six, amen. So we have a pastoral succession policy that was approved, and we also have a plan. And in the, in the Bible, the Lord told Moses, said, Moses, you're going to see the promised land, but you're not going to be the one to take the people in it. I've got a plan for you and for the people. It's not about you, Moses. It's about the people. So I want you to anoint Joshua in the presence of the people. Take some of the authority that's upon you and give it to Joshua. Because Joshua was the one who led them into the promised land. Joshua was the one who defeated all of the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the flashlights, the neon lights and all them other lights. Because God is always going to take care of his bride. Amen? Those of us who have the title of pastor, we are simply just, Best men. We are just eunuchs watching over the bride. But that bride belongs to Jesus. So if you've trusted me and the leadership in the last 27 years, trust us now uh, and in the years to come in this uh, succession plan and policy. In John 14 and 12, Jesus reminds his disciples, and they were his succession plan. He said, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. So it's all about the church succeeding and doing greater works. So the plan that we approved has timeline, it has steps, it has roles, it has, um, it has also identified... Some key factors of how it will impact the church. How will it impact me when that time comes? How will it impact the person who's going to receive the baton? I also recognize that anytime you talk about a succession plan, it brings grief. It brings grief. Anytime we come to the end of something, especially if it's been good, some stuff you're just glad it's over, right? right? You're like, whew, I'm glad that's over. It's no grief, it's joy. It's like, hallelujah. But if it's been good, when you come to the end of it, like a kid going to Disney World, they don't want it. They don't want it to end. It brings grief, and Paul experienced that too. In uh, Second Timothy chapter four, verses six through eight, he says, "As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race." I have remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all those who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And I recognize, and I preach this scripture many times. I've used it at funerals, as people have transitioned, and we've called it, you know, a home-going celebration. And, you know, we as Pentecostals and as black folks, we do funerals a whole lot different, Stephanie, than than white folks do. I mean, whether they're like parties. I mean, people be taking pictures in the casket, doing selfies with their loved ones, and, you know, posting it on Facebook, and, you know, take me, take me! And, you know, we're trying to jump in the casket with them. I've been to some white funerals. They are over in, like, 20 minutes. It's like, let's go, I gotta go to work tomorrow. It's not in a black church, it's different. But I've used this scripture many times Y'all know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> right? But departure causes grief. It's traumatic. It's traumatic because we have developed a relationship with that leader. And we're wondering what am I going to do without them now? What am I going to do without that loved one? How is life going to be without them? You know, how is the organization going to be without them? They're the only one that I've known in this role. Paul reminds us it's good to sorrow but we don't sorrow like those who have no hope. Amen. Amen. Because the Lord is still on the throne and we are his people. And so I thank God for the elders who assisted in in making this decision and and providing this leadership because it provides care for everybody involved. And so yes when it does occur there's going to be a natural grieving process. And just like all of us are human. We grieve in different ways. Uh, when there's an organization that shifts, there's some people that leave. There's some people that say, "You know what? It's not going to be the same organization." as you know, I came there because I had connection with this person. There'll be some who will begin second-guessing the leadership. Some will begin blaming. Some will begin gossiping. Some will respond in anger. Some will respond in. Um, you know, just, just isolation. Just, just different ways, depression and so forth, that we grieve. And even the leadership will go through the process of grief. You know, we're, because we're human also. Uh, we have relational connection with, with people in different uh, ways. So how do, we, how do we manage the stress? Well, that's, that's what the succession plan does. It's one way to make the process less traumatic. For the congregation less traumatic for the leadership less traumatic for the pastor less traumatic for the families that are involved the only other way because we're going to grieve one way or another right either we grieve through a succession plan or we grieve when the pastor is 99 years old and he passes out in the pulpit and he busts his head on the pulpit on the way going down and we're mopping up the blood and we grieve in that way right. I'd much rather grieve the earlier way. But we're going to grieve. It's inevitable. But I recognize that, and so I'm committed, the leadership is committed to pastoring and leading the church even through the grieving process, where the weeping endures for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. We get to that place, we can celebrate. And so what does this plan mean? Some of you all are already just wondering, okay, I just got a question. Is Bishop leaving Park Lawn? That's what I want to know. That's, you know, what's, what's happening? No, I'm not leaving Park Lawn. Not yet. I, amen. I, I, personally feel, I personally feel that I have a life call to the city of Milwaukee. I have a life call to Park Lawn Assembly of God but i also know that i'm not called for life to be the senior pastor i don't i don't i know that so i'm going to be transitioning in the year 2020 to a role not out of park lawn but to a role of serving this church as its apostle which means that i'll be pastoring the new or the next senior pastor and so at the next annual church meeting in 20 the next annual meeting in 2020 this church will have an opportunity to elect a senior pastor I'll make sure that that pastor is healthy their family is taken care of and emotionally and relationally and spiritually so that they are a success so that this church can be a success but there is also uh, things that I'll continue to do as a member of the church I'm not selling my home I'm still part committed to the community I'll still be a member of Park Lawn my tithe will still be coming here And uh, as the next senior pastor in 2020 will have me, I'll be a part of the teaching and the preaching team. Uh, I'll still serve in leadership of our Prison Economic Development Corporation. Uh, I will also continue to lead the National Black Fellowship of the Assemblies of God, which has its office here at Park Lawn. So Park Lawn, we are influencing the nation right here through 3725 North Sherman Boulevard. I recognize this. Amen. So I wanted you to know that because there's nothing wrong. There's nothing hidden. There's no secret sin in my life. There's no moral failure. There's no, you know, the elders are asking me to leave, you know, quietly. This is none of that. This is good. This is good for all of us. Um, I recognize that there is a new wine skin on my life and a new wineskin on this church. As I, as I said, this church is leading the nation now this church is is in the spotlight of the assemblies of god it's in the spotlight of transforming how do you transform an under-resourced poor community how do you how do you lead a community into wholeness and healing after a uh, a police involved shooting of an african american male how do you how do you do how do you start a neighboring movement How how do you do the things that you're doing? How do you raise up MVPs within your church who also have a footprint and an influence? They receive power on Sunday morning so they can transform their community on Monday. And that's what this is all about. There's a mantle and grace upon my life for the nations, but it doesn't require that I leave this house in order to fulfill it. And so... This is so that we continue to multiply even greater in the next hundred and ten years. So an apostle is a sent one. An apostle is an initiator. An apostle is somebody who is a pioneer. Uh, they go in and they disturb and they disrupt systems and they create a divine and a godly order in place of those things. That's the mantle that's on my life, and and uh, so I am Lady Judy and I uh, are not just going to take our twenty seven years here and seven years of experience in another church and walk out the door. No, we're, we're planted here, uh, but we also see and the leadership sees that for the good of this church and for the fulfillment of the vision to reach the nations the way that the other cities in this nation, the way that we have here, that I have to fulfill this call. So I look forward to being a cheerleader and a coach and an advocate for the next senior pastor. I look forward to not attending board meetings and staff meetings and doing counseling sessions. I'm talking next year, 2020, annual business meeting. But until then, I'm, I'm still your senior pastor the rest of this year. But I want to let you know this. We're not changing our mission. We're not changing our vision. We're not changing our focus. We're not changing our target. We're not disempowering anybody. We're not violating any constitution. This is all for the health and longevity. So we continue to impact this city with light, life and love in Milwaukee and the nation and the world. And so just as, as Moses identified Joshua, and Joshua led them into the promised land. And Samuel was, was told by God to anoint David. And Elijah was told to throw his mantle on Elisha. And Elisha... Served and poured water on his hands until it was time for the Lord to take Elijah up, because He had a purpose for Elijah. And the mantle fell, and Elisha picked it up and performed twice as many miracles, because a double portion anointing was upon him. We don't want to miss that. And so the the elders and I have unanimously identified and appointed Elder Marcus Arrington to be the <laughs> successor in 2020. Please stand, Elder. Come on up here, come up here. Yeah, bring your wife as well. If the kids wanna come, they can come too. Summer, this summer in um, this year, Elder Marcus will be joining the staff as a senior associate pastor, which means that he'll be over the pastoral ministry side of the church. Teresa Jones currently serves as our chief ministry operation officer and has been overseeing pastoral and operation ministry. Uh, that'll pastoral ministry will shift to uh, Elder Marcus. Teresa is done and doing a tremendous job with uh, our operations as well amen so at the next annual meeting in 2020 this will be the person that the elders and I have appointed for you all to vote on amen Amen. so I want you just to extend your hands towards them right now as we just father we just bless and celebrate uh, this is the season of the 70s Lord uh, this is a season of crossover, and God, we thank you for the destiny that you have for Park Lawn Assembly of God, and that you've had for a hundred and ten years that we've known of. But it's been in your heart since the since the day of creation. You've had Milwaukee in your heart. You've had the cities of America in your heart. You've had the nations in your heart, and God, I thank you that you have. We're so humbled that you have chosen to involve us and to entrust us with the stewardship. Of the gospel of the message of Christ you've entrusted us with precious lives to impact them through this church to equip them you said in Ephesians that you've called apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers to equip the body of Christ so that they would do the work of the ministry and so Lord this shift is about it's about your will being done and your kingdom coming on this earth in this city And so we pray, Father, let it come. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Father, we know that there will be a grief. There will be a grief in in the coming days, in the coming week, in the coming months, in the coming year, in the coming years. God, we're committed to loving, pastoring the people of God through that, through this shift. Because there are greater works. There are greater works that you have ordained for us to do and to walk in. And Lord, I thank you right now for for Marcus and Crystal and Jason and for Michaela. I pray that you would protect them and you would just cover them and shield them, Lord, as they are making a shift. We know that the arrows of the enemy are aimed at the hearts and the emotions and the integrity of leaders. But oh God, may this church stand with even more vigilance. May this church be shaken and awakened to release apostolic and prophetic prayers in the heavenly realm, to cancel every plan and assignment of the enemy to steal, to kill and destroy. Father, we know that the enemy is, he's afraid and he is positioning him and his powers to hinder this move, this apostolic shift, because he desires to continue to stronghold and his grip in this community. Satan we break your hold in the name of Jesus. We remind you that you've already been defeated, that Jesus triumphed over you openly and made a public spectacle of you and he now holds the keys of hell and death and he has called us to be kings and to be priests unto God and that our labor is not in vain and and you've released us into the marketplace and you've released us into municipalities and you've released and anointed us even in areas of ministry to equip the saints to do the work of Christ, to come to church on Sunday with Monday in mind. So Lord, we pray a hedge of protection around this family, around my family, and around this church, God. We proclaim the victory of your cross, and we plead the blood of Jesus over the Arringtons, and over the Harveys, and over the Lawn family right now, God. And We decree and declare that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, God. We release holy boldness right now, we release holy discernment and insight. God, we thank you for the stirring of the watchmen and women on the wall, of the intercessors, O oh God. Thank you for faith right now. Let faith arise in this place, God. Let it take the place of fear, Lord. Let the shields of faith be lifted right now to quench every flaming arrow of the enemy. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you praise right now, God. Come on, take those hands and give God praise right now. Thank you, Lord. It's going to be all right. You know, over the years, I've had the privilege of raising up numerous sons and daughters and will continue to do that. So one of the things that an apostle does is ordained and set in order. Elders and pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists. But I recognize that in the season that we are in, in our nation, in our own city and in this church, that it, it's time It calls for a pastor that has proven leadership and team building success, that's able to teach, that's spiritually mature, that's emotionally healthy, that's theologically accurate, that's socially engaged, that's academically prepared, that firmly supports the vision and the leadership of the church and that is committed to the welfare of the people of this house, that demonstrates an intimate relationship with God and that also is prophetically discerning of the times just as the men of Issachar were in 1 Chronicles 12 and 32. And that's why Elder Marcus was a unanimous selection as a spiritual son from inside this house, amen. Amen, hallelujah. Well, that's all I got for y'all this morning. I know you didn't come expecting to hear that but I am confident of this that we are moving forward we are gonna run even faster and let me tell you this is all about the team this is all about finishing the race that Christ has given all of us and if every one of us stays in our lane we won't be disqualified If every one of us, this is how you stay in your lane. What that mean, Bishop? Well, don't pull back. Don't shrink back. Don't put your hand in your pocket. Throw a rock, you know, somebody throw a rock, put their hand in the pocket. Like, that wouldn't me. Stay in your lane. Keep showing up. Keep supporting. Keep giving. Keep loving each other. Keep bringing God's light, life, and love. We're not changing our mission and our focus at all. Let's look beyond the next three months, the next 12 months. Let's look beyond 2020. This is about the future. Let's look into the next 110 years, and let's continue to dream together. Amen? The Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.